Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. Well, good, every, good morning, everybody. Gotta remember my script. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, I have to tell you that uh, my, my morning started off pretty rough, and this is a confession of a preacher. It's starting off pretty rough because woe is me, I didn't get enough sleep. And then Ryan comes along and preaches that great sermon. But uh, anyway, several of you have just said some really great things. So uh, praise God. Thank you for the encouragement so far. And I have a ton, a ton of um, encouragements here. So let's get right into it. And, um, and we have a special treat this morning. Uh, it's, it's a little rap by uh, our own rapper, Jeffy. And I am going to try to wrap it, so it's pretty cool. All right, Ryan Compton, I really appreciate the way you communicate and illustrate Bible truths. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's I love it. It's great. Tiffany, so thankful you are my sister. What a sweet blessing that that we can oh and that we can serve together. Okay. There was a little squiggly in there. I couldn't get it. So, Scott, so thankful for the growth I see in you and uh, the amazing things you do to serve and bless your family. And I'm going to say amen to that one. I wish I would have written it. And even though I didn't, I agree with it 100%. There you go. Elijah, keep finding ways to serve and bless those around you. Thank you with a big old fat heart. There you go. So you're a rock star. TJ and Melissa. TJ and Melissa, you encourage and inspire me by honoring God in your life and being faithful in meeting with the other Christians. Amen. All right. You guys, uh, if you haven't spent time with, with Melissa and TJ, they are just great people. They're just good people. Angie, what a blessing to me that you are a part of the ladies' study. So thankful you and Lars spent time with, spend time with the church family here so we can get to know you better. Amen. And so if you didn't know, Angie came in and she she just encouraged me greatly with just one little sentence. And so it's the power of encouragement. Thanks, Angie. Ryan Compton. Oh, this is the same handwriting, but... Okay, anyway, so you got two from the same person. Um, Ryan Compton, I appreciate your willingness to use your gifts and abilities to honor God and edify fellow Christians. You are a blessing. Amen. That's a good one. That's a good one. But there's better ones to come. Uh, Mrs. Parks, you are incredible. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. How many know Mrs. Parks? Can we say that really loud? Mrs. Parks, you are incredible. Okay, good. Uh, you are so nice uh, to do money stuff. Amen. I like your smile. You have such a nice, caring personality. And she does the money stuff, so I don't have to. It's great. Uh, Jamie B., Jamie Bamford, you are an amazing person. You are so very encouraging. Amen to that one. And you're an incredible photographer. We got we to gotta get some prints from you of our family. You're, you're tremendous. 
so thankful for the many servants in the Pleasant Hill body of Christ. You are, you are not sluggish, as the Hebrew says, but rather diligent in serving the Lord as we serve and love one another together. All right. Thank you for whoever said that. Praise the Lord. Sherry. Sherry. It's so good to see you this morning. Yes. Sherry, you always bring a smile to my face and my heart. And I don't know who wrote that, but I agree with them 100%. So let's go for Sherry. It's so great to see you. All right. Emma. Emma, hurry back up here. You are a great encouragement to everyone in the body. It will serve you well in the future. I cannot wait to see how God plans your future. Me too. Thanks. Exciting. Ryan, I admire your great speaking ability. Your word pictures and apologies help define, or analogies, excuse me, don't ever do apologies. Uh, apologies, wow. Analogies help define scripture so well. Keep learning and growing. Hang tough, dude. <laughs> there you go. I don't know who wrote that one. So where is Ryan? He's in the back. Well, we're going to have to wait and wait, and we're going to have to do some other things. What's he? Come on, Ryan, hurry up. We got something for you. <laughs> Just saying. Hey, Ryan, it's good to see you. All right. We do things a little different around here, as you can tell. We're family. All right, here it is. Now, I'm not going to wrap it. I'm only going to say it. Because if I wrap it, I'll ruin, ruin it. Unless you want to wrap it. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is a poem? Oh, I thought it was a raft the way it's kind of laid out. <laughs> I don't know how to do this. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan the Mullet Nader, a contemporary Christian hero. Even though I harass you about your mullet, I love your lessons that stick in your gullet. Even though you've grown quite the do, I have enjoyed seeing Christ's character grow in you. Uh, even though you have a you have collar length long locks, it is so awesome to see you standing on the solid rock. As I think of following our Creator, I'm reminded of you, Ryan the Mulletinator. Now <laughs> <laughs> uh, we gotta frame this one, right? We gotta frame that, that could one. Be a what? I know it could be. Could be, man. Tell, see, he knows. This guy's got singing in his blood, right? Oh, do you want me to get... I, I'm going to uh, frame this. No, we'll give it. You better not get rid of that, Ryan. Well, I'll tell you what. That, that, if you don't know, that was from Jeff Drillinger, and he's prone to every once in a while to do one of those things. And so, thanks, Jeff. You're amazing. <laughs> okay, so if you're going to make it to Oregon Family Camp, we think you're incredible. If you don't, we still think you're incredible. Watch us online. That would be great. If you have some places in your house that we could stuff some other Christians from, wait a minute, I got more here. I have more here. Okay, here we go. Sorry, we're going to stop for a second. I was hiding those. Mr. D. <laughs> Jeffy. <laughs> Mr. Dillinger, I seriously cannot get... I seriously cannot get the words hold fast and steadfast out of my head. Your consistent teaching 
based on those two ideas has been a huge encouragement to me. Always appreciate your lessons uh, for their practicality. Amen. So Ryan was nice to you. So. <laughs> no, you did great. That was awesome. Okay, the, the contemporary Christian hero. Uh, Mr. C, Mr. C. Oh, you know, okay, you know, okay, it's going, ta-ta, you know, Mr. C, anytime I do a meditation, like 99% of it, I get from your teaching and examples. You have lived everything you ever taught, and the things you still work on, you're humble enough to admit it. Truest sign of a real leader. That's my son, Ryan. Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay, anyway. Whew. All right, so if you got extra rooms in your house, <laughs> we got folks coming from all over the country. We'd love for you to host them. And how many know that the Bible says sometimes you get to host angels? How many know? It says that in the Bible. Well, some of these preachers, they're pretty close to angels. And the one that's not so much, we're having it at our house. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Uh, wait, Mad Dog Mike? Mad Dog Mike's coming. If he wants to tell you about his dog jaw, don't fall for it. And I did it only once, but anyway. So I'm just kidding. It, it's a great time. Mike's great. That's why we keep him in the cage. Anyway, so uh, if you have extra places in your house that you'd like to have some folks, brothers and sisters in Christ from around the country, you know, like the, the Dimoffs will become dear friends. You, they stayed with you, and it's just they're great people. So uh, well, I'm going to pass this around, and if you've got some extra room in your, your, your place and you are coming to Oregon Family Camp or you're going to be watching, we'd love to have you. Should I pass it this way, or do you guys want to hold off on this one? Well, we'll hold off. I, you got more kids than, wow, okay. More, <laughs> more kids than rooms. There you go. They're all sleep kids, though. Right out here. Yeah, okay, good. All right, here we go. <sighs> you know, I'm not even close to starting preaching yet. Uh, Monday evening, Monday evening college age is our place. And once again, my lovely bride is going to be cooking a great meal. Uh, we're going to start at 545, and uh, lesson will start at 7. And uh, I don't know if Minsk, Belarus is going to be joining us, but it would be nice, and we'll see. So uh, come prepared to enjoy and uh, be involved. Uh, family camp registration coming up. Not this coming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday on February 10th. Uh, all church cleanup day, meaning everybody in the body of Christ who is able, please come out and help out. It really does help get the building ready for all the folks that are coming in. And uh, that's February 14th. That's two Sundays uh, from today. And so right after assembly, we'll have a little potluck, a little gathering downstairs and break bread together uh, of the meal kind, not the Lord's Supper kind. So if you want to bring some stuff, that would be great. And um, let's see, Oregon Family Camp's coming up the uh, Friday the 26th, 27th, and 28th. So it's going to be a great time. Excellent preachers uh, this year, some, some new preachers that I'm really excited to hear that uh, they've shared with me what their messages are, and they are awesome. And so... Uh, uh, I hope that you can make it out, uh, at least for part of it, because uh, I guarantee that you'll be blown away by the uh, the preaching uh, that is delivered here at Oregon Family Camp. Yes, Melissa. Registration is necessary for camp, and it's, uh, the deadline is going to be 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, Oregon Family Camp registration is coming coming up in ten days. We have some new folks, and so if you want to know more about Oregon Family Camp, uh, that would be great. And I don't want you to feel bad if you can't host somebody, okay? Uh, but we would love to have you because I know that you'll be greatly encouraged. We've had people that came and it was their first Sunday Oregon Family Camp, and they were like, "Wow, this is amazing!" You know, kind of. It's not normal, but it's it's awesome and amazing. So I pray that you can make it. So, 10 days from now, we need to have your registration in. Any others? Any other announcements? Okay, all right. Let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles uh, to the book of Revelation chapter 14. Revelation and chapter 14. And I think I need to turn my mic on. Okay, Revelation chapter 14. And we're going to read verse 12. Remember, this is one of the anchor verses for this year's series on perseverance. Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And you have, if you haven't looked up yet the Greek, it does say faith of Jesus. It's not faith in Jesus. It's the faith of Jesus. It's possessive there. Jesus's faith. We're going to be able to persevere if we have Jesus's faith. That's important for our lesson this morning. But also turn to the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. A familiar passage. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In the King James, it reads a little bit different. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And when do you need evidence? You need evidence in a court of law to prove what is true, amen? And so conviction and evidence and proving what is true to beyond a reasonable doubt is so important to the lesson this morning. One last verse, and some of you know it. Do anybody, does anybody know, because you've memorized it, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17? I'll start it for you. Faith comes by hearing the word of God or hearing the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. And if we're going to have the faith of Christ, we want to be invested in the word of Christ. So let's pray. Lord, time is passing away and we do need to get to today's lesson. And it's so important for us to understand uh, what faith really looks like. And that's what we're going to be doing for the next three weeks. And so, Father, help us to see the first component part of faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's time. The time has come. The time is full. You hear those kinds of statements in the scriptures. Well, I must share with you that it is time to lay the right foundation for an understanding of the faith of Christ so that we can possess the perseverance of Christ. Who for the joy set before him endured the most painful way to die, having been rejected by God, cast away from him, he embraced that so he could win 
all men to himself. Brother, we need to recognize and understand that faith, hope, and love are the three foundational pieces of perseverance. You can't persevere if you don't have faith. You can't persevere if you don't have hope of heaven. You, you really can't persevere if you don't have love because you're going to end up hating people who end up hurting you. That's a natural human thing. But remember, we're not mere mortals, as Paul says. We are sons and daughters of God. And sons and daughters of God love their enemies and pray for them. Sons and daughters of God are not like the sons of men. And so to, to own the faith of Christ is to live as a son or daughter of God, which as a Christian you are. And so this morning, I want to take a look at conviction as the first component part of faith. Next week, we're going to take a look at assurance, which is the second component part of true biblical faith. And then finally, the third component part of true biblical faith is obedience, a responsive action to what we are called to be and do in Christ. And so we're going to look at conviction today. And I'm going to ask you the question, do you have such strong convictions that you would be willing and able to joyfully go to a literal cross if that were in your future? That's what Jesus did. And would you be able to live the last few days, knowing that you're going to a cross, the last few days like Jesus did? Always concerned about everyone else and not concerned about his own physical, emotional, spiritual well-being. He was going to give it all up. And that's an important question. Because if you don't possess the faith of Christ, and if that kind of death were to come your way, as brethren... All over the world, there are Christians who are dying for the faith, literally being martyred for the faith. Even now, do we have the conviction as Americans, American Christians, to be willing to stand with great joy and experience that kind of death? I have to share with you that these lessons have been great for me to study because I'm realizing as I'm searching, I want to be able to persevere to the very last so I can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I so desperately want to hear that from my Lord. There are people who've gone on before me that I so dearly want to see and spend eternity with. And I so dearly want to spend eternity with my Christ and my King. And so I want to be able to persevere. So I hope you get a blessing out of these lessons but I am really being encouraged. Hammered each time I go to the scriptures. How many know the Bible is a hammer? <laughs> you know that from the scripture. Well, it's, it's okay to get hammered in this way, hammered by the scriptures. And so I'm not hammering on you, but I've been hammered when I've studied and I'm excited to share these things with you and I hope that you are encouraged by them. So point number one, the terms of faith and its conviction, the conviction of faith. So what is faith? The word is pistis. And as I shared, you go do your Greek study. It has three component parts, conviction, assurance, and obedience. Those three are found in the Greek dictionaries that define the word faith. If any one of those is not there, it's not true biblical faith. You can believe in Jesus, the demons also believe and shudder 
but are they willing to trust and obey? What's the answer? No. And so true biblical faith has three component parts, and faith is one of the three important foundational tools that are going to be used by you and I to stand firm and excel still more and more and persevere. So we need to define faith, and that's what we're doing. So we're breaking it down into easy, reachable component parts, all right? And so we're just going to keep building. And some of you know me as a teacher, that's how I do it. I'll take something, I'll, I'll break it down, and over a series of Sundays, we're going to hit these very important component parts. I hope you're blessed by them. So what is conviction? Conviction is the uh, uh, a proof by which something is proved or tested to be found true. Something that will prove something else to be true. So do you have a conviction that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? I've never seen anybody raised from the dead. Are you so convicted that Jesus rose from the dead that you are willing to die for him and not deny the faith? Knowing that because he was raised from the dead, so you too will be raised from the dead and you will be with him forever and eternity. Is that your conviction? I think sometimes we get so churchianity going on in our heads, we forget it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ and the conviction that we are owned by him and we will serve him with every breath. If you have that conviction that you're owned by him, that's one of the many facets of your worldview of faith, conviction that you're owned by him. Well, there's another statement in regards to conviction in regards to the Greek, that by which invisible things are proved and are convinced uh, of their reality. Do you really believe that there's a Jesus? Have you ever seen Jesus face to face? And if you're honest, you'll say no. But if you know the scriptures, you know when you see a faithful man or a faithful woman, you are actually looking into the face of Jesus. Grandpa Penny was the first picture of Jesus I ever had. I've seen a lot of churchianity, but I hadn't seen a true man of faith until I met Grandpa Penny. And that man lived what the scriptures teach. And he wasn't quick to whip out his scripture. He was quick to give you a hug. He was quick to give you a smile or a joke if you needed it. He was a man that understood the needs of each person he was with. I watched him. He was marvelous. He worked with people differently, but he brought them to the same place, knowing their value in God's economy. I want to be like him when I grow up. I want to be like him when I grow up. And I'm hoping, thanks, Ryan, I'm hoping I'm getting there. And so, so important, our conviction is the conviction of Christ. Now, Webster's Dictionary says, proving, convincing, and being compelled to admit what the truth is. So what are your non-negotiables in your life? What are the non-negotiables in your life? Now, when I say non-negotiables, what am I talking about? What is something you will absolutely never compromise? Here's one of them. I was in and out of all sorts of different churches and denominations, and they all said something different on how to get to heaven. They're all saying something different, how to be a good Christian. And I got sick and tired of it, and I just left. And I got a Bible, and I got Greek dictionaries and Hebrew dictionaries and invested myself. 
as some of you know the story. It took me two years to get through three little principles in the scriptures, foundational principles. But you know what? I'm absolutely convinced that unless a man or woman has faith, faith that Jesus Christ came in flesh and blood, son of God come in flesh and blood, and he lived a blameless, sinless life so that he could be the, the sin bearer, and he gave himself on a cross and bore all of my sins in his body on the cross, and he was buried, and three days later he ascended into, or excuse me, three days later he came out of the grave. For 40 days he preached and taught about the kingdom of God, and he went back up into heaven, and he's promised to come back to take me home. I'm absolutely convinced of that. And you cannot change my mind. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I died with Christ in the waters of immersion because that's what the word of God says. I was buried in the waters of immersion with my Christ and the old man was taken away from me. And when I came up out of that water grave, I was filled with the spirit of Christ. Now I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live in this body, I strive to live just like Jesus by his faith, by his convictions. Those are absolute and I will go to the grave, whether naturally or brought on by man. I will go to the grave with those convictions because I know when I close my eyes and breathe my last, angels will be there for me. And I will be taken to heaven and be in paradise with all the other saints until the great and glorious judgment day. And that day will be the day that I will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. You will not make me deny that. And if you take my life, great, I get to go quicker. And if you torture me like some have been tortured, great, I'll get to share in the sufferings of Jesus Christ, just like Paul said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. I love those scriptures. Those are God's word, Christ's word. Those are who we are, brethren. And so those are the convictions that will drive us through no matter what comes. I don't care if Trump or Biden gets in the presidency. I know they're going to do their own thing the way they think they need to do it. Neither of those men, and from my understanding of the scriptures, are Christians. I pray they both, if they're not, will become one. I honestly do. But my life is not based on King Biden or King Trump. My life is based on the convictions of who King Jesus is. So guess what? Dictators are going to come and go. Jesus Christ is always on the throne. Are you convinced of that? Does he have every head, every hair on your head counted? I've made it easy for him. And so, uh, does he got every hair on your head? He has every hair on your head number. And he knows when one of those falls out because he knows when a sparrow falls from the sky. But are you convinced of that? I'm convinced of that. We need to be convinced of that. Now, I want to illustrate the power of conviction in the life of Christ. And then the power of a, the conviction in a first century Christian. And then the power of conviction in your life and my life. And I want you to embrace the truth of God's word. And you memorize some scriptures that tell you who you are as a Christian. And I'm going to give you some of those today. And I pray that you will embrace those. Now,
I have this thing in my Bible or in my notebook and I write it out every Sunday and I want to I want to read the first part just the first part and I want you to understand that I was not this man but I am this man now because Jesus has made me this man I am a man I am my Lord's servant I'm Sharon's best friend. I'm my son's hero. There's no way you can be that without having the conviction of Jesus Christ. I want to be like Grandpa Penny. He had the convictions of Jesus Christ. He didn't preach at you. He loved you. He didn't preach at you. He came alongside and gave you a hug. And he would put scripture into understandable terms for a knucklehead like me when I was 22 and 23 years old. The guy was a saint. Illustrating the power of the conviction of Christ. Listen to what Isaiah 50 says. Would you turn in your Bibles? We're going to go to Isaiah to start each one of these. The conviction of Christ, the conviction of Paul, and the conviction of you. So go back with me to the book of uh, Isaiah chapter 50 and listen to this prophecy about Jesus Christ. It's a powerful prophecy. And I have the scriptures listed in your, your note sheets and so you can go back and look at them again. But Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4 through 7. I hear some pages turning, so I'll wait a little bit. Isaiah, the great Messianic prophet, powerful preacher. Listen to what he says about Jesus. The Lord has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting, for the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I am not disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. How many would agree without a doubt that's talking about Jesus? That's Jesus Christ. And Jesus saw that scripture, and he owned it. That's me. That's me. That's who I am. That's what I am, and that's what I'm going to do. As a man or woman thinks within themselves, so they are. And Jesus said, I am this man. And he became that man. Now take a look, if you would, at Mark chapter 1 and, and verse 35. I pray that you'll recognize and understand that this component part of faith, without it, you'll not be able to stand firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So important for us to see the conviction of Christ because we need to own it. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. Notice what we read here. And Ryan shared this this morning. Verse 35. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go so somewhere else uh, to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that 
is what I came for. Jesus saw himself as a preacher teacher and that he had a responsibility to preach and teach to all of the cities, regardless. That's why he came. And notice it's rather interesting. He got up and he prayed in the morning. You go back and look at that prophecy in Isaiah. There's no other way that he is able to communicate to people and their needs unless he's praying to God for his ability to be a selfless man. If you don't believe Jesus was 100% human being, let's have a Bible study. I'll prove it to you over and over and over and over and over again. God became man. And he powered through and gave us the example. He's the prototokos, the prototype for the Christian. We're follow the lead. Is the Lord your shepherd, your leader? We need to follow. Now, brethren, take a look at Luke 90, or Luke 90, Luke uh, chapter 9 and verse 51. Notice what Jesus does here. Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. Now see, Jesus knew he was going to go to the cross, as, as was shared earlier, knew that he was, was going to ascend back up into heaven. Notice what verse 51 says, and I'm going to read it because they tweaked it a little bit in the, the new edition of the New American Standard, which is a frustration. But verse 51, notice what it says. Excuse me, Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. When the days were approaching for his ascension, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. What had to come before the ascension, brethren? Man, he wanted to get home. He was anxious to get home for the joy set before him. But something had, he had to go through to get to the throne. The cross before the throne. The crown of thorns before the crown kingship in heaven. So he knew he had to go through that. So notice what it says there. He set his face like flint. As Ryan said, so the scriptures say, not my will but thine be done. And angels are sent to him because it was terrifying what he was just about to have to do and he knew it. But Jesus refused to buckle he persevered, and angels were sent. You persevere in those times of great crisis, and angels will come. You say, well, I don't believe that for a minute. Read your Bible, please. Read your Bible. God will give you what you need when you need it if you will have the conviction of Jesus Christ to drive it through no matter what's in front of you and no matter what's happening to you. Do you have that faith? If you have the faith of Christ, absolutely. What's the perseverance of the saints? The faith of Christ. Possess his convictions, brethren. I'd have you read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 on your own for an application. So look at point number two. Second part, Christ's conviction in Paul. Look at Isaiah 42. Let's go back to the book of Isaiah 42. Listen carefully here what is said. And notice it's talking about Jesus. And then the Apostle Paul is going to say something about it. So Isaiah chapter 42, verses 5, 6, and 7. You ready for this great Messianic prophecy? Thus says God the Lord who created the heavens 
and, and, and stretch them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. I will appoint you as a covenant to the people. Jesus is the new covenant to the people who indwells us. Sorry, I get a little excited here. And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. Is that the description of Jesus? Remember, John the Baptist's disciple said, uh, you know what, I, who is this Jesus guy? Well, John says, well, go ask him. Go ask him. What did Jesus do? Well, just go tell John. I do what? I open blind eyes. I raise the dead. You know, all that. Oh, okay. Well, John's disciples aren't stupid. They're going, oh, <laughs> this is the Christ. Jesus fulfilled that in his life. Amen? Let's go back to the scriptures. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 26. But he not only fulfilled it in his life, guess what? He fulfilled it in the life of the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 26. How many know the, the, the historical event of Paul being converted? Man, wasn't that a sight to be seen? <laughs> to see all this, this uh, arrogant Pharisee going to destroy the, the way. And Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus. Hey, chump, what are you doing? Who art thou, Lord? <laughs> yeah, blinded by the light, huh? Pretty cool. Well, let's pick it up right there. Uh, <laughs> verse 14. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. But... Get up, stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you as a minister and a witness. Are you ready? Not only to the things that you've seen, but also to the things which you have appeared to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles, to know and to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the domain of darkness of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Now, where's Paul? He's on trial right now. He's in prison and he's just been brought out and paraded in front of a bunch of uh, hoity-toity government officials. That's where he's at right now. Man, he's really schooling them in who Jesus is. Can you imagine that? Are you ready to school all of the civil leaders who want to put you to death because you believe in Jesus? Well, Jesus did. The Apostle Paul did. Huh, I wonder if we could follow in their footsteps. Well, let's see. Verse 8, 19. So King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the regions of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent, be immersed in Christ, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. I know it doesn't say that, but you go find out what does it mean to turn to God. In the New Testament, to turn to God means to be immersed into Christ. But that's another Bible study. I'm willing to go out and show you how that works. Look at verse 21. For this reason, some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. So having obtained help from God, I stand to this day testifying both to small and great, stating nothing 
but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place, that the Christ was to suffer and that by reason of his resurrection, are you ready, from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Jesus is the first to proclaim light. If he's the first, then there must be what? Others following in his footsteps. If he's the prototokos, the prototype, what are we supposed to be doing, brethren? How about proclaiming light? What do you think? Well, let's find a scripture to prove that. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is for you and me. And the Apostle Paul is saying that's what he was doing. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, brethren. Listen to what Paul says. He's laying down the gospel of glory for people by his actions first and then by his preaching. Let's read it. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1 through 4. Did I do 1 through 4? 1 through 6, good. Therefore, since we, Paul, Apollos, Silas, and others, therefore, since we have this ministry of reconciliation, ministry of the Spirit, as we received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, Jesus is truth, same exact word, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Are you ready? Listen. In whose case the God, little g, of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And Paul says, for we do not preach ourselves, it's not about us, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for the Lord's sake. Now look at verse six. For God who said light shall shine out of darkness on day one of creation, check that out, is the one who has shown in our hearts, God has shown through the light that he's given us in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Christ's light and glory is in you, and we are manifest to manifest the glory of Christ. You want proof? Go and write this down right now in your, your notes. Look up 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. I'm not going to go there right now, but it says that you and I are supposed to manifest the life of Christ. The only way we can manifest the life of Christ is to have the convictions of Christ. That's how we manifest the life of Christ. The only way we can manifest the life of Christ is have the faith of Christ. And notice, the first part of faith is conviction. What are you convicted of? I'm a light bearer. How about you? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he points his figure at his disciples and he says, you are the light of the world. Same exact phrase. Do you believe Jesus? Or is Jesus a liar? Is Jesus a liar? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Can I get an amen on that one? Well, that was pretty weak. That was weak sauce. Hey, are you? Are you? I know that's 70s verbiage. Sorry. Okay. 
I want to hear it. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Yes or no? That's much better. Thank you very much. And Jesus points his finger at you in love and says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. The last point of Christ's conviction, he was the light of the world, and he points at you, Penny, and says, you're the light of the world. He points his finger at me, and I love it when he points at me. You are the light of the world. I love that. Isn't it great when your dad points and goes, Man, Ellie, you are so awesome. Thank you for cleaning up your room. Your room is spotless. It's so organized. You are, it's amazing. I just love you so much. Don't you love when your dad does that? Of course, you, I can tell you going, yeah, I really do. I'm not going to say anything, Ellie. I'm not saying nothing. I'm just giving you as a wonderful example. All right, so now let's go to this last one. Christ's conviction in us, Isaiah 60. Are you ready? This is a prophecy of us, the church. Isaiah 60 is a prophecy of us. I don't know about you, but I get really excited. I was, I wrote, how many of you saw my email this morning that I sent out to, I sent emails out to everybody. I, I need to get your folks' email, so you, I'll send you the email, so you kind of know whether you want to show up or not. You know, I don't know. It's a little scary. He's excited about his sermon. He usually is. It's going to be worse today. And so, but I was, I was just so excited because of what I found. All a bunch of stuff came together. Here it is. This is us. I love to see myself in the scriptures. I love to see you in the scriptures. Isaiah 60, verse 1, 2, and 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth. Kind of sounds like it's happening right now. And deep darkness the peoples. Ugh. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. That is not a prophecy of Jesus Christ. That's a prophecy of the church. Let me prove it to you. Ephesians and chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And that's not the only place in the in the Old Testament, particularly in the book of Isaiah and in Psalms, where it talks about we will be the light bearers. Turn with me to Ephesians. And uh, did I say chapter 4? Did I write chapter 4 down there? Oh, good. I, I did it right on my notes. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 7. Listen carefully, the great and awesome calling to be the light bearers in this world, in this generation. When you go to work tomorrow, when you strut in, guess who's strutting in to work at your place of business over at, uh, is what, what is it? Blatchley. I didn't want to say a competitor's name and, and make you feel bad. So Blatchley. So when Logan comes strutting into Blatchley, blinded by the light, right? Well, of course not. Because spiritual light is invisible, but with the eyes of the heart, people can see Christ in you. Amen? Can I get an amen on that one? With spiritual eyes, people can see Christ in us. And even if they don't have spiritual eyes, because the devil's trying to blind the minds of the unbelieving, the glory of God pierces the darkness. I've seen it happen. It will. God's glory is greater than the heart of man. Well, see, I got excited and off my notes. I'm sorry. Not really, but let's go. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. We can do this. And walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us and an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or, or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. There must be no filthiness and silly talk, or of course, jesting, which are not fitting for Christians, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ, uh, Christ and God. Now, let's continue to the good stuff now. This is the good stuff, verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, all that garbage stuff, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now, are you ready? Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were, past tense, formerly darkness, but now, present tense, you are light in the Lord. Walk, live as children of light. For the fruit of light is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them by your life. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which is done by them in secret, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, here it is, Quote from the Old Testament scripture, Isaiah, talking about us. Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Can I get an amen on that passage? Wow, guess what? I can point my finger at you, and if you're a disciple, I can say, you, Logan, are the light of the world. You're the light down at Blacksley Lane. And when you walk in there and you know who you are and you walk by who you are in Christ, they will know that you're just not a normal Joe. You're a son of God. Now, they won't come and say that. Hey, Logan, I just noticed today that you're a son of God. They won't do that. But they will know that you are a man of impeccable integrity and you can be trusted and they can confide in you and, and when they're hurting, they know that you're going to listen. Why? Because Jesus always listens, right? Isn't that powerful? We can change the world, brethren, because we are the light of the world. You may not believe that. That may not be your conviction. But is it okay to own that conviction if Jesus says you're the light of the world? If Jesus says you're the light of the world, then you can say, don't go, hey, everybody, I just wanted to let you know I'm the light of the world. Everybody, I know I haven't shared that with you before, but I'm saying it now. Don't do that at work. They, uh, we need to get Johnson unit down here quick. I mean, you know, white jacket, everything. This guy is, whoa. But can you live it? And because you live it and you're genuine, people will know. And they'll know where that comes from. And when they ask you, then you can tell them because they've seen it's real and genuine. There's power there. Satan hates this sermon, I can tell. But Jesus loves this sermon because we're going to preach it with our lives. There's the power. Well, Romans chapter 12, we'll finish up with Romans 12. You know, many of you know that I love war movies and war stuff. And so being a Christian is great. 
you know, being a, 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 a soldier in the, the kingdom, I went and shook a hand of a, a, a state trooper who was a former uh, uh, Marine. I'm sorry. He's no longer a Marine. He's a trooper, but he's a, he's a Marine, but retired. Okay. I shook his hand. I said, I appreciate your service. He's out, you know, I don't know. You just look like it. He goes, are you the soldier? I go, well, <laughs> my grandfather was in the big war. My dad was in World War II and in, in Korea. And my brother was almost in Vietnam. And I am a soldier, but of a different kind. And he looked at me like this. I said, we can talk about it later. Guess what I just did? <laughs> Throw a little hook out there. So that's kind of cool. So he wants to know what kind of soldier I am. Here we go. This is who we are. Ready? Romans chapter 12. We'll finish with this, but don't forget it. Blessed are those. Well, I better get the right one. Chapter 12, verse 11 through 14. Is that the right one? Oh, yes, it is. Okay, here we go. Blessed are those who persecute you. you bless, do not curse. Uh, Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, be of the same mind toward one another, not in a haughty mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation, never pay back evil for evil, respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath. You know what? I missed it by a mile. Do I have Romans 12 or 13 down there? Would you change in your note sheets? This wasn't reading right. Romans 13. See, the devil kind of tripped me up on that one, but eh, we're going to get him back. Okay? Grab your swords. Chapter 13. 11 through 14. Thanks, Luke, for being gracious. You're a good guy. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Now we're going to get it. Verse 11. Do this knowing the time. Do this. Love one another like Jesus loves. That that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believe. The night is almost gone. The day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in a carousing and drunkenness and sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. Brethren, put on the armor of light because you are children of light and your life will impact the hearts and the minds of others. And if you haven't experienced that yet, you step into the conviction of Jesus Christ, you live this life and you're gonna see things happen. Now, you might say, I, I really don't know how to get the conviction of Christ. And that's okay if you say that but it's not okay if that's all you do. If you say, I, 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 how do I get the, I don't know how to get the conviction of Christ. Ask that question and then answer the question. And if you're not getting answers that are practical and applicable, come talk to me. And we'll do a little Bible study. And we'll show you how it's practically applied. And so you can walk into your places of business and truly be the light that changes lives. That's really what, we've been called out of darkness to do is change lives. Let's pray. Help us to understand what it means to have the conviction of Christ.
You've said that we are called to have the faith of Christ so that we can persevere. Help us to have the conviction of Christ so that we can stand no matter what comes in our future. We can stand and continue to love those who hate us. As he asked you, Father, to forgive those who are killing him, as he asked you, Father, extending forgiveness to the thief on the cross that was brutally ripping him apart verbally, what a beautiful picture of Christ. That's the conviction that you've given to us when you gave to us your Holy Spirit and you've given us your word. Help us to develop that conviction, we pray in Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's stand and uh, get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right, let's go do it. Thank you very much. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.